the wine gave out. What time was it when the wine gave out? Nobody seemed to remember what watch of the evening it was, but the timing was awful. The wine gave out. The word traveled through the crowd as if someone had yelled skunk in a campground. The band stopped playing. The lights came on. The dancers, blinking their bleary eyes, began to stumble back to their table and gather their things. But the most pitiful sight of all was the bride, still in all her finery, the wine of her wedding dissolving into the water of her tears. Oh, can it really be all that bad? I mean, at first blush, this doesn't really sound all that surprising, does it? After all, John tells us that it's, it's the third day of the wedding banquet. I mean, three days means a lot of wine. And if it were a particularly thirsty bunch, you would imagine that at some point they would run out. If it was us, we would just slip some cash to a friend for an LCBO run. <laughs> but in this time and place, Running out of wine a little early isn't just embarrassing. It's a disaster. Wine in their culture was not just a, a social lubricant as it is in ours. It's a sign of the harvest, of God's abundance of joy and gladness and hospitality. And so you see, when they run short of wine, it's an indicator that they're running short on blessing. Timing is everything, and the wine has run out before the wedding has. It's a catastrophe. People were going to whisper to each other when she went to the well that she was that bride at that wedding. Maybe this failure was even a sign of God's judgment. Any misfortune that this couple had in their future, you can bet it will be chalked up to this, this night, the night the wine gave out. It's hard to believe that God could reveal a blessing in this. To make matters even worse, Jesus' mother doesn't seem to have much of a sense of timing either. At least that's what Jesus seems to think. They have no wine, she said to her son. It wasn't his wedding. Wasn't one of the disciples' wedding. We don't even, it was just a it was just a garden variety, ordinary wedding. We don't even know the names of the families involved or whether they were famous or I mean we know that Cana was not much of a place. If you've ever been to Cana and it just not a very big town. It's just kind of a small town wedding. We don't know whether she was close to the families of the bride and groom and was, was eager to help or whether she was just particularly sensitive to this kind of faux pas. What we do know is that she expected her son to do something about it. But Jesus seems to think, well, this is another instance of bad timing. Woman, he responds, taking an oddly formal tone with his mother. Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour, my time, has not yet come. But Mary 
knows better. Rather than raise an eyebrow at his tone or offer a counterpoint to his assertion, she just turns to the servants and says to them simply, do whatever he tells you to do. Perhaps she thought, protest he might, but he's going to listen to his mama. Or it could be that Mary knows how to tell time better than Jesus thought. She was, after all, the one who brought him into the world, the one who suckled him as a babe, who watched him grow, one who dried his tears as a child and followed him when he became an adult. So perhaps we shouldn't be surprised that Mary could recognize that whenever her son is on the scene, it was no ordinary time. I, I've been looking at this miracle, or sign as John calls it, and it's, it's so different from the other gospel miracles. It's just kind of this straightforward miracle. You have Jesus and you have the water. And although his mother points out the depletion of wine, no one asks Jesus to perform a miracle the way a leper would come and, and ask, beg at his feet. Jesus doesn't tell anybody that their faith has made them well and that, that he's not amazed at anybody's unbelief. Nobody makes decisions. Nobody gets healed. Nobody has his or her life confused or confirmed. It's, it's just Jesus in the water. And all of a sudden, we have this no-strings-attached miracle, and the wedding party picks up, and everybody is happy. You know, for someone who can list the Magnificat among her credits, Mary's words to the servant, they seem so unremarkable, but they have tremendous implication without giving reasons, without setting limits, without promising any results. Mary calls for commitment to Jesus' authority. Jesus' instructions don't stretch the capabilities of the servants. They require a lot of work, but they're no means out of the question. This event, friends, that has thrilled Christians over the centuries begins with servants walking back and forth, going to the well and then back to the jar. And then they go to the well. And then they go back to the jar. And they just they carry the water. That's all they do. That's all he requires. This miracle rides into the kingdom of God just on the shoulders of obedient servants. I'm sure it was hard for them to believe that there could be champagne in their chore or at the end of it. That their trips back and forth from the well to the jar, okay, we'll do what he says, would yield anything. And once again, timing becomes an issue. Most hosts, you see, reserve the, the best wine, serve the best wine up front, wanting to make a good impression. And then they say the cheap wine for later when the palates of the guests have been, shall we say, sufficiently dulled as to not recognize the drop in quality. But this host, the steward assumes, has bucked the traditional timing and saved the best wine for last. And so suddenly, this couple has six huge basins, these big stone jars. They could handle 180 gallons 
a fantastic wine. You know, in the U.S., I mean, I, I've seen a few gallon jugs in Canada, but so, I mean, I always imagine 180 gallon jugs, I've, maybe milk bags. I, I don't know, maybe that will work for you to visualize that, but 180 of them. More than enough for even three more days. Now no one could leave this wedding thirsty because abundance and blessing was overflowing. God turns this just ordinary wedding and this ordinary service into a sign of the reign of God among us. You see, timing is everything. And it's not just in, in this scene, but it's in John's Gospel. There are two kinds of timing that animate John's imagination. One is the kind that we, you know, we just track it every day. We spend our lives in minutes and seconds, hours, days. This is the time we spend standing in line, clocking in at the office, sitting there waiting on the light to change. It's just mundane, ordinary time. And it just keeps on going. And it just beats on relentlessly until that time when we close our eyes and we escape its dull, predictable cadence. And then we wake up. And it just keeps going. But there's another kind of time. There's another kind of time at play just underneath the ordinary time. It's a royal kind of time where all that's predictable begins to fade. And what emerges in its place is just sheer possibility. This is God's time. And it punctures through the, the, the ordinary canvas, the ordinary clock of our lives at these unexpected intervals to reveal a glimpse of the divine. So when Jesus is talking about his hour, he's not talking about a time and date on the calendar. He's talking about the time that he will reveal his glory through the cross and through the resurrection and through the ascension, this time when God will become accessible to all once and for all. You see, we get to the end of our wine and the last drop pours out of what we think is possible, the end of our own power to bless, when our wine gives out, the story isn't over. It seems that God just starts pouring when we stop. You see, ordinary surroundings, just average everyday weddings, church services, just the ordinary stuff of life are the places that need miracles. The people of God, well, we're all familiar with each other. We know what's going on somewhat in each other's lives. And we're called to serve each other in the world in these, in these ordinary ways. Sometimes it's just kind of like a chore. Sometimes it's just, you know, it's stuff we do. We go, you know, we go visit somebody and we don't expect that when we go visit them in the hospital that we're bearing the wine of the kingdom of God. But yet, you know, sometimes we think we're just carrying a glass of water. And it's just, we're going to the well, we're going to get the water, and we're going to bring you some of it. The community, you see, is made up of people who are lonely and worried, misdirected, angry, proud. Their problems are common. Our problems. 
just common as water. But the message of this scripture proclaims that Jesus can do with something as common as water amazing things when his servants are willing to do what he asks for them. Just do what he says do. Just do, just do what he asks you to go and do. Just do that. You don't have to make the water into something. You just have to go do the thing. Mary's instruction, do whatever he tells you, blesses every common situation with the promise of a miracle. I always marvel this, you know, uh, we had our, our mitten tree in Macmillan Hall. Many of you attached beautiful hats, scarves, and mittens. I saw them being packed up and to go to their, their places this week. I'm here to tell you, probably some kid is going to get a pair of mittens or a hat or a scarf on a day like today. It'll be like a miracle, man. That's more than water. It's better than that. It tastes a lot better. Oh, I, 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 I read this wonderful story this week about a group of women at a church outside Chicago. Um, they started meeting about a year ago, and they call themselves the Merry Widows, hopefully for a different reason than what we might think. They call themselves the Merry Widows. They were brought together by this common experience of the loss of their spouses. And they, they were getting together. It was kind of very self-focused. It was very focused on their grief. It was very, you know, it was very kind of stone jar-like. It was just tough. So they got together for mutual support. I'll let Rita, one of the members of the group, tell you about it. The group was started about a year ago, she said, and we met on the first Friday of the month to discuss what we would do for the month. We start the meeting with a prayer and a devotional, and then the ladies whose wedding anniversary it is that month talk about their wedding, and they bring their wedding pictures, and they show their wedding pictures around the group, and so the meeting is you know, infused with these memories of, of joy and, and the exceptional joy that they took in their marriages. And Now, this is not Rita, this is me now, but... but you know, I'm sure that there were probably days when the wedding was maybe a little more vinegar than wine. But where they were looking back now, they were infused with the joy of that. But it didn't just promote healing in their souls. Here's what they did. Then, she said, we talk about what we will be doing. We do a project every month for someone or some organization. For instance, we sent items to the military. We gave some things for the homeless in our area. This month we're giving packages of candy hearts with a valentine on it to the families who get food from our food pantry. Do you see? Here they are. They've gathered together around the stone jar of their grief and they reached in and they pulled it out and something else has happened. It's been transformed into this wonderful, these wonderful little ordinary acts of service. They just smack of the wine of the kingdom of God. Every moment that we live in Jesus, testify Mary and John, every moment that we live in Jesus has the capacity to mediate the divine. Bread and wine can bear Christ's body and blood.
An ordinary hug can convey unbounded love and blessing. The smallest donation of food or money can tip the balance between scarcity and abundance. A simple act of kindness can make all the difference in the world. And a smile shared at just the right time can brighten up the darkest places. God in Christ reveals extraordinary blessing in our ordinary lives. We know what time it is right now. Some of us might be checking that a little more closely. But you know, it might be a different kind of time for somebody else in this room. This might be the moment that, they, that the relationship is healed. That someone hears God's love deeply for the first time and beyond the water of their shame they begin to drink the wine of Christ's acceptance. This, this ordinary moment might be the moment that a call to ordain ministry completely changes the trajectory of someone's life. How could this be? We do this all the time. It's just an ordinary sermon in an ordinary church on an ordinary Sunday. And when the service is over with, maybe we'll leave because the wine just gave out. Or maybe God is just starting to pour. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.